Your company's future success demands agile, flexible, and resilient operations. I'm your host, Daphne Luchtenberg, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. In the current geopolitical context, local manufacturing and supply chain resilience are becoming increasingly important. At the same time, organizations face an imperative to tackle environmental sustainability to strengthen operations and positively impact people and the planet. That's where the Global Lighthouse Network comes in. This is a World Economic Forum initiative in collaboration with McKinsey and Company, and it has inspired a recent playbook to answer these challenges. At the Lighthouse's live event in April, we were delighted to convene a group of leaders to talk about how their organizations are scaling responsible growth through tech-enabled operations. They're using them to power sustainability and workforce engagement. McKinsey's senior partner, Katie George, led the discussion. Let's listen in. I'm very excited to be joined by three leaders of companies that have been recognized not only as digital lighthouses, but as sustainability lighthouses. Companies that have demonstrated fantastic results on improving the environmental sustainability of their operations, even while also uh, achieving fantastic breakthrough performance on other dimensions. They're showing us what is possible in terms of delivering not only great economic results, but also great environmental results. They also have really been innovating the way that they work with their workforces and through their workforces to deliver these breakthrough results. Um, These are companies that have invested in upskilling and engaging their front lines in ways that have unleashed fantastic innovation and creativity and really empowered their front line to do things that they've never done before. Uh, They've also done things at scale. So each of these companies has been able to demonstrate not only that they can pilot new technologies, but have truly transformed their way of working in order to create sustained outcomes. So with that, I am delighted to be joined by three leaders. Christine Bastian, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer of Western Digital. Kathy Wengel, the Executive Vice President and Chief Global Supply Chain Officer of Johnson & Johnson. And Osa Thompsons, Senior Vice President and Head of Business Area Technologies and New Businesses of Ericsson. Thank you all very much for joining me. Christine, let me start with you. Congratulations on your recent recognition as a lighthouse. I know that your Penang site has experienced very significant volume growth four times in the last five years. But you've done that while maintaining and achieving your sustainability pledge. So can you tell us a little bit about how your fourth industrial revolution technology applications have allowed you to do that? A.B., thank you. So we at Western Digital recognize the importance of doing our part to contain global temperature rise. And so it was important to pledge and set our ambitious goal to limit the increase to less than 1.5 Celsius by 2030. While we've made significant improvements the past few years, we have a lot of work to achieve our goal. It is particularly challenging to achieve the goal while the factory is going through expansion. And so that's why we rely on 4IR technologies to drive eco-efficiency. 4IR technologies have helped boost our operations productivity and efficiency. This increased our operational performance to support the growth without the need to add more resources or machines that consume more energy. 90% of the greenhouse gas emissions we create come from electricity. 
So we deployed more than a thousand industrial IoT sensors to more than 500 pieces of equipment and 15 utility systems to gather data and generate analytics insights. This allows us to optimize energy consumption across the entire factory. This is how 4IR technology accelerates sustainability for Western Digital. Christine, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. Kathy, I know that you at Johnson & Johnson are also working towards a sustainability pledge. And Janssen's Cork site has implemented adaptive process controls and reduced carbon emissions per kilogram of product by 56%, which is just fantastic. I know that meeting your growing business demands at the same time as working towards your sustainability goals are very challenging. How have you done that? What is your strategy? Well, thank you, Katie. It's great to be here with everyone. And I'd say our strategy hinges really on three approaches, accountability, digital, and partnerships. So first, it's about setting bold climate commitments that demonstrate our accountability as Johnson & Johnson to making science-based progress. For more than three decades, we've been setting publicly facing environmental goals, and we continue to commit to bold goals, including the intention to source 100% of our global electricity needs from renewable sources by 2025 and to be carbon neutral in our global operations by 2030. So along with that, then we're harnessing digital and industry 4.0 advanced manufacturing technologies to reduce our carbon footprint and to your earlier point, drive greater resilience. So it's just so proud of our team to receive our first WEF sustainability designation for our lighthouse, as you mentioned, in, in Cork, Ireland. Our Cork site's really been a model in our global supply chain of how to reduce that environmental footprint using 4IR technologies, uh, whether it's the physical wind turbine that was installed there, but also having power purchase agreements with local wind farms in Ireland. We then use that adaptive advanced process control and digital twin technologies to optimize the performance, not only in manufacturing, but of our chillers, our pumps, our cooling towers. Those are some of the biggest energy users on the site and also have a really important impact in plant reliability and cost. So now that we scaled those, we've rolled that out to 16 of our sites, and we really look at our Cork site as one of our leaders in the sustainability journey and that intersection of better performance and a better outcome for the planet. That's great. Kathy, thank you very much. Really impressive. And Osa, your Louisville site has actually built sustainability into the very design of the building and the site itself, right, through heating, ventilation, air conditioning systems that are controlled smartly and you've reduced energy consumption by 24%. So if you can talk about what is Ericsson's approach and how does this help you towards your sustainability goals? Thank you, Katie. And first of all, great to be here. I think, first of all, just as Christine and Katie mentioned, and I don't think it's a coincidence, we all care about how can we contribute to meet and do our share of meeting the sustainability goals, right? And that means that we need to think differently, we need to consume differently, and we actually need the latest technologies to realize that. So that's kind of one piece of it. The other part is we are a technology company, so we also feel because then obligation to be an example for other companies on what you can do if implemented right. So there are two parts for us. It really comes back to our mission, you know, creating connection that makes the imaginable possible. And we really want to do that by using limitless connectivity to improving people's life, redefine business and create a more sustainable future. It's not only about bringing the latest technologies. It is actually showing what you can do if you use the sign thinking 
the best operational domain competence, bring the best people together, and apply the best technologies. And we talked about a lot of the smart ways we optimize the energy efficiency and usage, but it's also back to using 100% renewable sources, reusing rainwater to reduce the water usage, but also building the site with reusable, recyclable materials. As you hear, a lot of the technology leadership, it's not only about 5G, which we love to talk about, or all the smart AI applications. It's actually also about all the development happening on the material side and on the design side. And I think that's what's really, really exciting. And then you can say, why is this important for example? Well, we need to change our supply chain the way we produce. So this way we can reduce our energy efficiency, our water usage, but also we managed to actually get closer to the customer who we serve. So we're actually able to deliver better products faster to the customer while actually reducing the airborne part of our supply chain by from 30% to 10%, right? And that becomes, you know, this is how you make this possible, like a blueprint within Ericsson. So how can we now replicate a lot of this across our production system, as well as a great example, all our technology partners, all our customers and all enterprises who want to do a similar journey on how can you make this happen. That's great. Oh, so I think you just captured the essence of what the Lighthouse Network is trying to do in terms of inspiring both within your own companies and outside. So thank you for that. And you mentioned something else that I wanted to shift to, which is this notion that it's not just about technology, it's also about people. And one of the things that I think we found is that all of your companies have really put workforce and people in the center of your deployment and your approaches. And that's a bit counter to some of the popular press about how automation and digital technologies are going to somehow disempower the workforce or even put them out of work. What we've seen from your companies and the others is really innovative upskilling programs, whole academies, new types of apprenticeship. Um, We've also seen this notion of ideation hubs to promote innovation in different ways. And then we've also seen wholesale organizational restructuring to unleash new workforce capabilities and kind of realign workforce to the agile approach and the end-to-end value chain approach that you're all using in the 4IR applications. So maybe I could talk to each of you and just ask each of you to comment a bit on what you're doing from a workforce perspective. And maybe, Kathy, I'll start with you and Johnson & Johnson. I know when your site was designated a lighthouse back in 2018, which feels like quite a long time ago, one of the things that was highlighted was the in-house technical capabilities and the knowledge development that you were pursuing. We'd love to know how has that worked for you and how have you evolved and what have you learned over the last several years and what is your workforce strategy going forward? Well, thank you, Katie. And, you know, to your point about why we came together as lighthouses and why certainly J&J wanted to be a pioneer there was we disagreed with that premise that the fourth industrial revolution was going to move around our employees versus having them be at the heart of everything we do. And being a company that's been here for more than 135 years, our amazing talent in our plants and around the company have had to go through multiple industrial revolutions. So we knew and we know how important it is to keep our employees at the center of this. And to your question about, you know, the last three years, you know, if anything, it's put an even greater emphasis on upskilling our employees in areas like digital, but in areas about how that intersects with risk management and resilience and supporting the mental and the physical well-being of our on-site superheroes, 
advancing diversity and inclusion, because all of those things really come together. Osa mentioned design thinking. It's really about, you know, how do you design your workforce for the capabilities you need for the future? And so when we look at those opportunities, I think one, again, it's diverse and inclusive workforce drives innovation. It drives innovation that's reflective of the stakeholders and the communities we serve. And a digitally first workforce at all levels acts with much more agility. And it enables us to build partnerships and capabilities that drive scale across the global network, not only inside our company, but with many, many more partners. Then I'd say we're really amplifying efforts to attract and retain a more diverse and inclusive workforce. Development programs we've put in place across our corporation on resilience and digitally adept talent. We have specific focus areas, including our women in STEM 2D program. And that D, by the way, is about design thinking that goes into everything we do in science and technology, engineering, math, manufacturing. And it's about upskilling using Industry 4.0 tools all the way out to mental health resilience. So we really see that it comes together in our commitment to our team members to upskill them. And that sparks their innovation in how we keep our company at the forefront of everything we do. That's great. And you talk about the connection between workforce investment and innovation and agility. And I know, Christine, that that's been really central to your work at Western Digital as well. The Penang site joined the Global Lighthouse Network only in 2021, so a bit more recently. But I know that one of the things that you have done there is to create an agile digital studio which really drives ideation and innovation in a very participative way. Can you talk a little bit about that and particularly what you've learned during the pandemic? Because as Kathy mentioned, that's added a new layer of complexity, but potentially also acceleration to our efforts. That's right, Katie. And thank you for the question, because it's really important. And I think similar to Kathy's point, people are at the forefront when we think about innovation. And so At Western Digital, we pride ourselves on being at the forefront of game-changing innovations, from the invention of the first hard disk drive to the recent advancements in 3D NAN. We're constantly pushing the technology and the innovation boundaries to turn the impossible to possible. And it's 4IR that is about connectedness. When we think about connecting our people with this purpose of innovation, which is the key in keeping our workforce passionately engaged, both in the upskilling, but also in being future-ready. To embrace that passion, we created the Agile Digital Studio for our people to continue to collaborate and innovate. Prior to the pandemic, we were doing this in person. But during the pandemic, what we were able to rely upon was to introduce technologies like VR, AR, and collaboration platforms to keep people connected and collaborating and innovating. The result was great because across the board, we increased invention disclosures during the pandemic as compared to before. That's incredible. I just think that the work that all of your teams have done during the pandemic, I think, as Kathy said, you know, really is heroic and really has taught us what is possible. Very exciting. Osa, we'd love to hear a bit about what you have done. I know that one of the things that stood out for us in the Louisville site was the way that you went after kind of a multi-pronged approach to upskilling your workforce, including using a virtual reality platform as well as collaborating with local universities. Can you tell us a bit about that? And also, you know, how important is it to bring the workforce along? Couldn't you just do this by deploying technology? 
Thank you. I promised myself I wouldn't make this all about 5G, but as you mentioned that the virtual and is the virtual reality, but I think importantly augmented reality and XR driven education. I think that's one of the most exciting use cases I see for 5G going forward. And it's not only for upskilling or reskilling, it's you know, think about onboarding new people into your team or when you need expertise that you may not need to have on all sites, but you have on one site and can be with you. So I think there's a lot of exciting things that we use this actually to faster upskill our teams and also learn as we design new processes, new production flows with new methodologies and new technologies. So I think that's really exciting. And I think it comes back to you have to upskill and reskill both into new processes, but then there also maybe new technologies, new ways of working. I think the other part that I think both Katie and Kristen both touched upon was really it's not only about reskilling and upskilling. It's not as much about how you work together. So one thing we learned to really make this happen and quickly implement new solutions, you actually need to have people who, are, who typically work with production flows, who very have the domain expertise in the processes, as well as working with our sourcing supply chain. What we learned was typically these are engaged in different phases along journey, and then it doesn't work. It doesn't scale. It gets stuck. So putting together that cross-functional team from the beginning when you start to launch new ways of working, that was fundamental to us. So that, because I think it's part of the definition of how we think about agile ways of working, but I think it's also about bringing the multidisciplinary skills into your team. And that requires a new type of leadership and a new type of working. And of course, that also expands our partners because we're not delivering this in isolation. We work for the tech partners and all our regular suppliers. And then the final note that I really want to touch upon is, and I think it comes back to Kevin's comment about the people, our people in the center of this transformation. We have to really realize they actually got even more empowered because they became the champions. We would not have been able to design our workflows and do the manifold without them. So by making this happen, they actually became the heroes. I love that. I just love the optimism that all three of you bring to really the future of manufacturing and operations and the future of, of work and being able to create wonderful experiences and really meaningful jobs for people. So thank you for that. I'm going to switch to one last question, which is a speed round. So I'm going to ask each of you for one or two word answers to what being part of the Global Lighthouse Network really means to you and your company. So let me start also with you. What word or two would you use? Inspiring and connectedness. That's fantastic. Christine, how about you? Alignment on common ground. Wow. Not easy to come by. That's great. And Kathy? Stronger together. Love it. Well, thank you all for this really inspiring conversation. Each of your companies has been recognized as sustainability lighthouses and truly are showing us the way to achieve real breakthroughs on sustainability in ways that I think we've never seen before. And as we've talked about, each of you and your companies are also showing us the magic of investing in our workforce and unleashing the power that they bring in innovation and performance. That was such an insightful discussion. So great to hear the real stories from companies that are boosting productivity and sustainability and doing it all with an empowered workforce at the center. The Global Lighthouse Network now numbers over 100 sites across sectors and geographies, 
all leading the way in harnessing the potential of the fourth industrial revolution. To find out more about joining this network of leading innovators, please visit mckinsey.com forward slash GLN. You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Daphne Luchtenberg. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'll be back with a brand new episode in a couple of weeks.